We're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel there. I'll let you uh, find that. 1 Samuel is in your Old Testament. I love 1 Samuel. Um, it gives, it's a history, some narrative there, historical narrative. Um, but it really gets into the life of Samuel, First and Second Samuel. So it gets in the life of Samuel. So we're going to talk just a little bit about Samuel today and even more next Sunday. Uh, but then also the life of David. So you got the first king of Israel would be Saul, and then you'd have um, David would follow after Saul, and then Solomon. But so Solomon would be more in uh, Kings, Book of Kings, and then you have all the other kings that would be in First and Second Kings. So, um, but First and Second Samuel does a lot, deals a lot with Saul and then David. All right. So two weeks ago. We were in the book of Habakkuk, and where Habakkuk prays that God would do things that he had done in the past. So Jill alluded to that, and Chris has a slide for that. The one quote there, I had a few people request that uh, just at the end there, just a prayer that we may encounter that uh, we may encounter God and his faithfulness, which awakens us to pray boldly, live confidently, live joyfully, and live each day with strength that he provides. All right. Um, yeah, and Chris, I don't know if you can change that real fast. It should say, may we encounter. That's my bad, so uh, when I copy and pasted it in there. So, may we encounter God, okay? All right, and then uh, last week we talked about El Shaddai. So, maybe if you've grown up in the church, you've heard that term, El Shaddai. Um, in English, it is God Almighty, okay? And so, we see that first used in reference in Genesis where... I believe it was 17 and then and 35 with Abraham and then to Jacob and even Isaac refers to it at times. Uh, and so from El, that name El Shaddai, where God reveals him as El, himself as El Shaddai, we see his limitless, he's limitless in his mighty power. He is the source of our blessings and he is worthy of worship. Amen. And then uh, this morning we're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20, I believe. Yes, 1 through 20. Uh, We're going to look, Samuel would be one of the greatest prophets. He'd be kind of what we would see as one of the first prophets probably that we see in the Old Testament in Israel's history. He provides spiritual leadership uh, between the judges and the kings. So if you kind of just glance at your uh, concordance or your table of contents in your Bible, you'll see you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, we call that. And then you go into Judges. Judges was this time you have Samson, you have Gideon, you have Deborah. Uh, These were judges. These were people that God would raise up to deliver Israel from its enemies. So Israel would serve God for a while, and then they would just go off and do their own thing. And so God would let the Philistines or another army come in and, and kind of just negatively impact them. And then they'd go, God, you know, they'd cry out to God and God would raise up a Deborah or a Samson or Gideon to deliver them. And they would serve God for a little bit. And then they would go back into their sin again. That would happen six times. You know, it would just keep going around and around six times. That cycle would happen in the book of Judges. Well, then Samuel's kind of right in between the Judges and then where Israel would appoint a king. And for a long time, Samuel would function as a spiritual leader in Israel. And then he would anoint Saul to be king. All right. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 20 of 1 Samuel. And 
There's kind of a cool prayer here. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that it is the living word of God, and we pray that it would, you would unfold your scripture to us today. Uh, make it come alive. I believe there's something here for each and every one of us today as we uh, walk with you, as we serve you, as we grow in you and mature in you. Father, we give you the thanks and the praise. We ask it in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's look at this together, verses 1 through 20, 1 Samuel chapter 1. It said there was a certain man from Ramathian. So I could have really been mean to somebody and had them read this passage, but I'm not, okay? And he was a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, okay, whose name was Elkanah, Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ephraimite. Isn't that just great? <clears throat> and he had two wives. One was called Hannah. Hannah means grace or gracious. And then he also had another wife, Penena. And Penena had children, but Hannah had, let's say that. What did she have? She had none. Penena had children, but Hannah had none. Underline that. Year after year, this man went up from the town of his to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty. So you can make note of that Lord Almighty at Shiloh. In the English language, there's different... God is referred to different ways in your English version, whether you have ESV, English Standard Version, NIV, New International Version, whatever. God is referred to a different way. Sometimes God, sometimes it's Lord. So if it's Lord, all caps, that means Yahweh. That was the Hebrew name for God. Um, they, the Hebrews would usually say Jehovah, right? Um, and then last week we saw that it was God Almighty, which was El Shaddai. So when you see a different God referred to in a different way here, there's usually a reason for that, okay? There's, the Hebrew is telling us maybe that there's something deeper there, okay? So that's what we're going to dive into a little bit. So here it's Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, don't those just sound um, the sons of Eli, um, and Eli was the high priest. And if you read into 1 Samuel, you know that Hophni and Phinehas were wicked. Okay? They were the sons of the high priest, and yet they were wicked. Uh, they just did bad things, um, and they were doing evil in the sight of God. Okay? Uh, and they were priests of the Lord. Verse 4, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of his meat uh, to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a what? A double portion, because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, so this is Peninnah, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Peninnah just knew the right buttons to push, right? Uh, to get, get her irritated. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Uh, and Wednesday night, we talked about building each other's up in youth group, all right? And so we illustrated that a little bit. And this would be an example of putting somebody down, right? We tear the people down so that we can feel better. Uh, Panenna was really good at that. And Hannah... It, 
you can tell, it not only it, it, she was depressed over it, she wept over it, it was, it was attacking who she was as a person. She didn't feel like she was a woman, uh, a good wife, and she long, longed for that opportunity to be a mother. Verse 8, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Isn't that just, that's a, quite a line there, isn't it? Verse 9, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up, and now Eli the priest was sitting down on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's throne. That's kind of where he would die later. When we did the Christmas Eve service, we talked about the glory had departed. It was Eli that would die on that day, and he would be sitting on that chair. I don't know if it was the same chair, but he fell over and died and hit, you know, hit his head and died. Um, verse 10, in the, in the deep anguish, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. All right? And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty. So we see that Lord Almighty up in verse um, 3, and now we see it again. If you, will not, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. So God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. He'll serve in the temple all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head, so that would be like a Nazarite vow. Um, so no shaving of his beard or of his hair, so maybe you can get a picture in your mind uh, of what he looked like, you know, and if he was starting to lose his hair, I don't know what that would look like, but um, he probably had long hair, beard and hair. Verse 12, but as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So I've entitled the message, Silent Prayer. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Woo! Right? Wow, that had to hurt, right? Here she's pouring out her heart. She's praying to God in her anguish. And the spiritual leader there says, Hey, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Verse 15, Not so, Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have been not been drinking wine or beer. I've been pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant to be a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. So there's something that happens there. There's a weight that has been lifted from, from her shoulders, from her heart. Verse 19, early the next morning they arose, they worshipped uh, before the Lord, went back to their home in Ramah, and Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. All right, let's look at this passage. Um, I've entitled the message, Silent Prayers. And if you've walked with God many years, you've probably prayed at least one silent prayer, if not many more. And so I want us to look at, we're going to dive into what are those silent prayers and what can we learn about prayer from our passage. The first thing that I see here, in verse, and we can go back to verses 10 and 11, that suffering opens the door for spiritual growth. And I know you all came here to hear that this morning, right? 
But write that down. Suffering opens the door for spiritual growth. I wish we would grow in the good times of life. I wish we would grow when things are rolling along just well. But it's in the times of difficulty or in suffering, what we would call suffering in some way, shape, or form, whether it's financial, relational, physical, health. Um, it is in those times we tend to dig deeper and we seek the face of God. I wish we were disciplined enough to do that wholeheartedly uh, when that wasn't the case, when things are well. And maybe some of you do. I'm not saying you don't. But there's something a little more earnest that when we're going through times of suffering that we seek the face of God more and we grow deeper. Hannah's suffering was not due to her sin or unrighteousness, was it? We don't see that in the story at all, right? And sometimes we think, you know what? I think Hannah felt, God, is there something in my life? Am I doing something wrong? But every indication that we get is that she was serving God probably much more than Penina was. You know, Penelope was the honorary one. She was the one that just was mean, right? And yet she had children and Hannah had none. Hmm. Her inability to have children caused her much pain, embarrassment, made her the object of rejection, of harassment. Um, and, you know, and I think this still carries over to today, but definitely in that day and age, to not have children was just a huge disgrace, right? If you were barren... He couldn't have children. It was just a huge disgrace as a woman, as a wife. Um, you know, today I know couples deal with that as well. They deal with infertility, and it's something that they, you know, they take steps, they pray about, and, and whatever. And, and Hannah felt that. You know, and we can, we can allow trials in life to crush us or to make us better, Right? What do I mean by that? In our story, we see that Hannah's suffering caused her to press in to seek God more passionately and more diligently than anyone else that we see in our story. She was earnest. She was sincere. She was humble. She was real as she came before a living God with the longing of her soul. That doesn't happen to everybody. Some people, they can become bitter through that. They can get angry. I'll talk more about that. I listened, uh, during my workout this week, I listened to a podcast and and uh, he wrote the book, uh, The Ruthless and Elimination of Hurry. Uh, pastor, now he's kind of an author and stuff. But he said, um, he's, he mentioned three primary ways that we see spiritual growth and transformation in our lives. And he, this is his personal opinion, but he says the first one is contemplative prayer. So prayer is important, but often our prayer is our prayer list. Okay, God, pray, I pray for this, I pray for this. I have my prayer list. I pray for my kids, you know, I pray for my wife, um, pray for my mom and dad. Some of you in here that I pray for every, every time I come before God. Um, so I have my prayer list, but contemplative prayers where we sit down and we talk with God. We talk, but we also listen. So that's next week. So I'm not going to dive into that too much. Contemplative prayer, we grow through that. The other area is deep community. And um, what the experts are saying is that this year especially is that you can have the big church, you can have the big th- the field, but if you don't have community, that's what people are craving. We want community, and that's happening. That's happening. Um, often it can happen on a Sunday morning, okay? You know, we dismiss for that little intermission, and then after church, 
It can happen there, but it really happens well where? In small groups, right? That deep community. Do you have that picture, Chris? Were you able to get that loaded? And so that is, um, that's the one happening at the Sealies there. I stopped in one night. I was dropping something off for the Sealies, and what did I find? It was, this was even during Christmas break, wasn't it? You know, most people were taken off, and they had a packed house, and they were studying together. Just a good-looking group there. So, Clarence, you look good there, man. You look good. All right? All right. Um, but they were meeting together. That is where we grow in community because community, we ask questions. We grow and we mature, right? The third area that he talks about that we, where we grow is suffering. He says that is where we mature and we grow is through times of suffering. It is in our suffering we have the opportunity to grow deep and press into the things of God. And that is what Hannah did. Was she discouraged? I think she was. Was she hurt by life? I think she was. But did she quit? No. In her anguish and pain, she poured her heart out to God. And I think suffering in life is inevitable. But it's when we press through and we seek the face of God and don't quit that we grow, we mature. It is in our suffering that our prayers, I believe, become real. They may are intense, they're sincere, they're earnest. And the thing that I want to point out about prayer is that prayer changes things. Yes, it does. So Jill gave the testimony this morning. Prayer changes things. But more importantly, prayer changes who? It changes me, it changes you. That process of coming before God. If God answers no prayers that we pray but we're changed in the process. Our prayers are important. And I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in what God can do. Hopefully we're going to have a testimony next Sunday about just a really pretty cool prayer, how God answered prayer. Um, Prayer changes things, but more importantly, it changes us. So rarely do we grow professionally, spiritually, in other ways when things are good. It's in the valley. It's in the hard times that we grow deep when we press into the things of God. So suffering opens the door for spiritual growth. But secondly, in our passage, we learn that God understands our silent prayers. God understands our silent prayers. Hannah's pouring out her heart to God, her heart and soul. She's weeping. Her mouth is moving, but no words come out. I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like that. I've had. There's been the times. Eli, the high priest, totally misunderstands her body language and even accuses her of being drunk. Isn't that just kind of like, whoa, man, you could just stomp out of the church and never come back, right? Pastor Brent says, I... Right? Her pain was shared by her husband, yet I think he did his best, you know. (laughs) Don't you love me more than ten sons? I love that line. I think she loved him. But there was still that longing to be a mom, to have that honor, that privilege, to hold her own child in her arms. And only God was totally understanding how she felt. And I have my notes here, sometimes life is not fair. And I, and I rephrased it and I, I said, <laughs> let me rephrase this, life is not fair. <laughs> It's not sometimes. Let's just put it out there. Life is not fair. If you think come into this life and you think life is fair, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't on any level. 
Some people are blessed with more athletic ability or intellectual ability or whatever the case may be than others. Some of you have better health than other people. And, you know, um, Hannah, I don't think it had anything to do... it was just that life, she was born, born and she gets to adulthood and she can't have children. It wasn't anything that she had done wrong. You know, in our world, there's people that are born with disabilities. You know, and somebody asked Jesus, right? Remember that miracle that Jesus did? and says, who sinned? Father or mother, right? Who sinned? God said, nobody sinned. This is so that God could receive glory and honor, right? Life is not fair. But we have a choice. We can quit. We can become angry. We can become bitter. We can act out in bad ways, right? We see that happen in the news where people do bad stuff because of their anger anger and life isn't fair. Or we can pour out our heart and soul to God. He does get us. You think, no, God doesn't get us. Yes, He does. When God sent His Son to earth, He allowed Jesus to experience suffering, didn't He? He was born into a humble home. He, his siblings he had to interact with. I don't know. I, they had to be normal. Okay, They had sibling rivalry. They probably got in fights. Jesus, what do you, you know? I, I don't know if Jesus was honorary or not. I have a feeling he was a boy, and I think he did his own share of things. Got into the cupboards and whatever else. Okay. We do know that Jesus was falsely accused, and he ultimately dies on a Roman cross. Not for his sins, but for whose sins? For ours, right? That wasn't fair, right? But this is what it says in Hebrews. Hebrews, I love Hebrews because it takes the New Testament and the Old Testament and blends them together. It says, during the days of Jesus, this is chapter 5, 7 through 10, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries. Hear the anguish there? And tears to the one who could save him from death. Okay? Jesus is giving his own pretty earnest prayer. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by what he suffered. And once he was made perfect, see, he was made perfect through suffering. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He's designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We won't, you can dive into that more. But he is our high priest. He is able to understand. That's what, if you go back to chapter 4, verse 16, it says, let us approach God then with his throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He gets us. He's, he's walked where we have walked. He knows those feelings that we have. And see, suffering, he was made perfect through it. And suffering opens up the door for our spiritual growth. But secondly, God understands our silent prayers. I think that's important. Other people may misunderstand them, like an Eli did. But God understands the prayers of our heart that we pour out to Him. Number three, God has infinite power to answer our silent prayers. In our passage last week, we looked at El Shaddai, which is translated in English, God Almighty. Um, it's used in Abraham, Isaac, Job mentions El Shaddai a ton of times. Probably the, one of the books in the Bible that mentions it the most. In our passage today, God, God is referred to as Lord Almighty. So all capital letters for Lord and then Almighty. 
verses 3 and 11. It sounds similar, but it's the first time where God is referred to as Lord Almighty, literally Lord of hosts. So if you've looked at names of God and had those lists, this is Lord of hosts. Maybe that's kind of like Lord of hosts. That does nothing for me, all right? What does Lord of hosts mean? Well, it means He's Lord of the hosts of the armies of God, right? The angels, the armies of God. It designates the Lord as the one who is all-powerful ruler. He's over everything. He is Lord Almighty. The name expresses the infinite resources and power that are at God's disposal to work on the behalf of His people. So it's interesting that Hannah, when she comes to God, she refers to Him as the Lord of hosts, Lord Almighty, the God that is infinite in all His power and resources. For Hannah, the power of the Lord of hosts was not confined to military exploits. So you think about it, probably the freshest thing in her mind is what she had happened during the time of Judges. I I don't know if she ever seen the deliverance of any of the Judges. I don't know if she even had ever seen a miracle. Okay, But she had heard the stories in Israel's history. How Gideon, with what, 300 people, right? delivers Israel. And they had torches and lanterns. And God saves the people of Israel. Samson, man, he had muscles, right? But the greatest victory for Samson when he was blinded and tied up to this great house where they were having a big party for the Philistines. More were killed in that day when it collapsed on him than any other time. Um, Deborah, a woman, we see that God used her in leadership to bring deliverance that day. So she probably knew of God's infinite power to save in that way, and she cries out to God, says, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. In her anguish, she prays a silent prayer to the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, promising that she would give back the son to God, and God answered her prayer. And Hannah kept her promise. If you were Hannah, what would you have done? Oh, I got a son. Would you have kept him? Said, oh, God, I just... I don't think anybody else knew. It was her and God, right? But God answered her prayer. And when he was old enough, she takes him back to the temple and he would live the rest of his life there. So we'll get into that a little more next week. Samuel would be a great prophet. He would be a great spiritual leader for the people of Israel. Samuel means, literally, it means name of God. Um, but it's kind of a wordplay, and it kind of really builds on a wordplay there. So, ask. So, she asked of God, and she called him Samuel. So, it, ask. I asked for, and God gave me it. So, that's what Samuel means. I'm going to have the musicians come. In my lifetime, I've prayed a few silent prayers. Um, I think in our first pastor, the one that I remember um, the most was in our first pastor. We'd been there probably about seven years. Um, And I just had a deep desire to pursue more education. I just sensed that was God's direction for my life. I'd taken a couple classes, master's classes, but um, uh, finances and other things, it just didn't seem like it was going to happen. And I, I just didn't know 
our family was starting to grow. I think by that point we probably had Daniel, so number three. And I remember being at a prayer meeting. We met at this, oh, it was kind of like a, it had been a house and people had renovated it to hold little uh, receptions and stuff like that. So in town. And the ladies wanted to go there and pray there. And so I went there and um, I remember praying. Uh, and I just remember that prayer was pretty strong within my heart. I didn't pray it in words. It was just something that was deep in my heart between me and God. My wife knew about it. Um, you know, and I just poured out my heart to God. And, you know, in time, God would answer that prayer. Not exactly the way I thought he would answer it, but he answered that prayer. Um, and brought it to fruition. God hears, he understands those silent prayers. I don't know what yours is. What I do know is that God cares. Does God always answer our prayers the way we want to? No. I think we have to be in alignment with his will and his word. And there's times that I'm glad that God didn't answer my prayers. Right? Right? Sometimes we're praying out of our own human understanding. God sees it all. And so when we come before God, we need to come in faith. We ask big prayers. But we also have to say, God, I I need to know your will in this because you know the future. You have to answer it in your own way. God knows your prayer. And uh, I just, too many times I feel like we, we settle for what we think God can humanly do. And God is able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. That comes from Ephesians. Um, I think God, those prayers that come from the heart and the soul, He hears them and He knows them. He understands. He gets it. But even more than that, he, He's able to do, He's able to answer that prayer. And so for Hannah, that meant that she had a son. And then maybe the hardest thing for her to do was that day that they took that long trip to the temple and she gave him back to God. Wouldn't that be hard? But I think... I think um, It was also a proud moment where she saw God answer prayer and knowing that she did the right thing and that God heard her. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand this morning. We've been uh, talking about prayer. We had the week of prayer, that kind of that first full week of January. I was just reading something that says, you know what? Probably more than ever, people are praying less, including pastors. (laughs) And it's kind of like, oh man. I think in our day and age, we depend upon too many things to see people come to Christ, whether it's the marketing or whether it's the lights, our buildings. Early church didn't have any of that. They just sought God and His power. And I'm not saying any of this is bad. 
But if we don't have the power that comes through prayer and seeking God's face, then we, we've missed it, right? We've missed it. Um, so would you just open up your heart this morning? I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. I try to do that every week, and sometimes I, I, I forget about that, but um, maybe there's somebody listening this morning just on our live stream, or, or even here today. Today is your day that you need to put your faith and trust in God and, and just get that nailed down that you're walking with God. You're going to follow Him through the good and the bad. You've made that decision to follow Christ with all of your heart. Romans says, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. We can have that hope of salvation. We can know that we're saved. So let's just, will you join me this morning in praying that prayer, saying, dear God, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. And help me to live each day for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord God, I pray for each one here today. Lord, I, I'm, I'm pretty firm in, in my conviction that if we walked with God very long, there's been a moment, there's been a time where in the anguish and the depths of our heart and our soul, we've prayed a silent prayer. Maybe only we know or maybe... Maybe it's our spouse or a close friend that knows, but it's something that we keep pretty close to our best. And it's something that comes out from the deep, deepest parts of our heart and soul. Maybe it's for ourselves. Maybe it's for somebody that we know. We're just praying for deliverance, for healing. Maybe it's for a dream that you've placed within our heart and we just can't see how that is going to happen in our own ability or... We just can't see it happening. God, it has to be you that brings those things to pass. Because it's beyond us. God, what I do know is that you hear those prayers. And that you have the power to bring those things to pass. As we give them to you, oh God. And so God, we, I just ask your blessing upon your people this morning. And Lord God, elevate our faith to trust you, to walk with you to trust you in all things. To trust you in all things. Amen. Amen. You know, how do you think Hannah felt a month or two down the road? All of a sudden, you know, her monthly cycle didn't show up. months down the road, it's kind of like, hmm, did I have too much? She didn't have pizza, I don't think she had. Now, how did she respond? I have a feeling that there was times where there was just so much joy and praise in her heart that it overflowed just as her prayer was. Now her worship in the same way. And maybe she danced before the Lord, maybe she's wept before God in joy. You know, does God still answer those prayers today? He does, doesn't he? He does. I don't know. Sarah, can I put you on the spot? Yep. You know, we've, we've seen that 
God answered that specific prayer that Hannah prayed. Sarah, she, she shared this before, but um, as before Jackson, she had grace. And, um, we were talking in the office one day. She kind of says under her breath, yeah, so we'd like to have another kid. And last time we got pregnant with grace, the pastor prayed for me, and we had grace. It's kind of like, well, no pressure there to pray. <laughs> <laughs> so we prayed. But we, felt. we did. We prayed, and... I think we were, I was really just, I was thinking we were just going to adopt. I was like, well, that's what God has. So I was just like, I don't know what I was looking for, but I was just looking for something. And I got pregnant with Jackson. And then (laughs) uh, apparently we didn't, you know, we put another kid, but seven years in between everybody, and it was just a long time. So um, my sister told me, you know, Grace got baptized, and you told the story of us waiting. She said, you know, every person there is praying for you to get pregnant, Sarah. And so there's Brantley. So whether that's how it worked or not, I trust that God knew what our heart desired. Amen. Amen. You know, God still hears those, the prayer of Hannah, the silent prayers. Matthew and Anna, they're, they're up in Lincoln now and uh, getting plugged into a church up there. But um, it was on a praise and worship prayer night here at the church and, and trying to start their family and it just wasn't happening and just remember praying right back there with them and uh, nine months later we have Gabriel right and um, so God's faithful is God, does God always answer the prayers I, no I prayed for some people it hasn't happened in his time his way I don't know but I do know that God has that power in him. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, that you do hear our prayers, even those silent prayers that flow out of our heart. Sometimes we're embarrassed to share them. We can't feel like we can't really share anybody with anybody else, but God, you hear them. And more importantly, you even have the power to act and to, to answer and according to your will and your time. Lord, go with your people this week. Lord, let us go with your favor and your blessing. Bless our relationships this week. Let us be the light of Christ uh, to the world around us. Let us offer hope and grace to those we come in contact with. We give you the praise and worship. We ask it in your precious name. Everybody said, Hey, God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave.